NFL Report with Philip Wolf and Aaron Halluschuk is a Black Press Media podcast. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the NFL Report. I'm Philip Wolf, editor of the Vancouver Island Daily and the PQB News. Today, we're joined as always by Black Press NFL insider Aaron Halluschuk, who's back from Las Vegas after Super Bowl 58. Hey, Aaron, how are you? Hi, thanks for having me. I'm good, thanks. We're going to flip the script a little. Usually, you're on the other side of this asking me questions, but I have so many for you <laughs> since you were down in, in Las Vegas. Let's get rolling. How long had you been trying to get Super Bowl accreditation? So I have been trying for, I would say, not actually that long, maybe about four years. I've applied in the past unsuccessfully, got turned down a couple of times. Last year was probably the closest that I got for the Super Bowl in Arizona, where they had uh, given a week of pass. So you're able to go to the press conferences and all the events leading up to the game, but not the actual game itself. So I said that I you know, it wasn't really worth going if I couldn't actually go to the game itself. So that was the closest I got. And then this past December, I applied again and found out just after Christmas that I got both the week of pass and tickets in the press box to the actual game itself. Clearly, they listen to the podcast. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> now, was that always a goal? It was, you know, I've just as probably some of you know, I'm a massive football fan since I was young, both the CFL and the NFL. And I, as a fan, this is sort of the absolute ultimate uh, for, a, for a football fan and for a journalist as well. I saw it on both sides of the coin, which was great. So absolutely, this is something that I've always wanted to go to. And I was really hoping I would one way or another, whether it be as a journalist or just as a fan and looking at the ticket prices, from $8,000 US up, I was really hoping I'd go as a journalist and not as a fan. What are some of the biggest events, sports or otherwise, that you've covered live before? In terms of sports coverage, mostly some amateur sports and then professional sports as well, some Seahawks games and things like that. That's the biggest ones in terms of sports. The largest events that I could recall in my journalism career have been some celebrities, movie openings, prime minister visits, and even entertainment things like the Juno Awards. Did you find having to work a little bit took away from the Vegas experience? And how many times have you been before? It did and it didn't. I was quite fortunate because this is actually my fifth time in Las Vegas. So I knew I wasn't going down with the goal to actually see the city so much. If it was my first time, it may have felt that way that, you know, I didn't quite get enough time to explore. But because I had been there so many times and there really wasn't anything that I specifically wanted to go see other than the Super Bowl, I didn't feel like it took away too much from that. Uh, it sort of added to the experience because Las Vegas is unbelievably intense at the best of times and just wild and bananas. And you add in, I think they said close to a million fans came to Las Vegas to watch the game in some capacity. It just added so much more to it. It was just Las Vegas on steroids. It was kind of a lot to take in and even just bouncing between my hotel and the media center back and forth. That was only maybe a 10 minute walk, but even that was just kind of overwhelming and exhilarating all at the same time because it was just fans 
absolutely everywhere. And everybody was cheering from the moment, literally stepping off the airplane. People were greeting you as you walked into the airport from the Super Bowl committee to going into the media room and walking through the casinos. It was just all football all the time. Let's do a little name dropping here. How many big mm-hmm. names were on hand? Who did you see and who were you most looking forward to seeing? So that was actually the really fun part. I came in with very little expectations because I really wasn't sure who to see, what to see, or who I might run into. I knew of at the game, of course, there would be some celebrities as there always are, but I didn't think that I'd get close to those. But just going into the media center, there were so many podcasters and people like that. So on the very first day, oddly enough, there were a lot of celebrity chefs, maybe not oddly enough, seeing as Las Vegas is some of the most amazing restaurants in the world. But on the first day going into Radio Row, I remember seeing chef David Chang. He was hosting a podcast there. Pat McAfee, of course, was doing a live podcast. Oddly enough, I was watching him doing a recording and the cake boss, Buddy Velastro, he was there on his show as a guest and he brought in some cakes. And I know he's got a couple of bakery locations in Las Vegas. So he was there. Weird situation about running into Derek Carr. Met him on the hallway back to the hotel. I actually ran into from maybe about 10 feet away I saw actor Cristo Fernandez. He played Danny Rojas on Ted Lasso, the football is life guy. So he was there. He was signing autographs and taking photos with fans and things like that. And then at the actual Super Bowl itself, I didn't see them in person. They were in the stadium. They were shown on the big screen, but there was your typical celebrities. There was Gordon Ramsay, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, um, Justin Bieber, uh, and from TSN. I saw Luke Wilson and uh, Farhan Larji. So those are Canadian celebrities that were at the game. And so we're able to see those as well. How many others do you think were most looking forward to meeting Luke Wilson? I would say I'm at the top of the list. (laughs) (laughs) Probably the only one. (laughs) So tell us that story. So, I mean, I've been a really big fan of his, you know, when he started his first year with the Seahawks and always followed his career because of the Canadian connection as well. That was really neat. And he was always very proud of being Canadian and, and didn't hold back when he played for Seattle and then went over to the Raiders, I believe, for a year as well, and then became an analyst on TSN. So I always sort of followed his career and he's it doesn't take himself too seriously, which I always really enjoyed. And it, I thought he would be there and tried to find him earlier in the week in the media center and at Radio Row without any luck. And then on Super Bowl Sunday, just before the game, I was sitting in the press box and I was looking on social media and I saw that he posted a story from the press box. And I looked at it going, that looks a lot like where I'm sitting. So I took a closer look and looked around me, couldn't find him whatsoever. And I thought, oh, shoot, I, you know, before the this whole week is over, I would have loved to meet him. And he stood up sort of at the end of the third quarter, going into the fourth quarter and literally sitting across the aisle from me. I was like, all this time, there he was. So it was really neat. He was sitting with the crew from TSN and uh, was watching the game. Actually, like I was watching him watch the game and he was extremely nervous and he was really, really intent on kind of getting in the moment, which I found really great because a lot of the other media members obviously we try and be as neutral as we can and you know where everybody's busy writing their stories or filing things and it was neat to watch him because he was really invested in the game 
Can you describe Radio Row for us? Yeah, so it's basically this area in the uh, Mandalay Bay Convention Center where all of the broadcast media essentially gathers throughout the week leading up to Super Bowl Sunday. And if you can imagine a convention center in sort of a rectangular shape with hundreds of tables and radio equipment and television equipment with different reporters, broadcasters, podcasters from all across the U.S. and some across the world as well. And it's just a constant stream of interviews and live shots and stand-ups. And it was really entertaining to see because you think about professional broadcasters and journalists and things like that. And of course, there's that from the big names on ESPN, all the way down to sort of local radio stations, local television stations. And it was really neat to see because the equipment that is brought in is unbelievable. There's massive stages that are built like full studios, but there's also broadcasters who are there with basically a very simple setup of an iPhone, a light and a microphone, and they're broadcasting as well. So it really ran the gamut of reporters and journalists, broadcasters. So that was really interesting to take in. Did you have your own little setup? I didn't, but I did hijack a table at one point because I did have so much equipment. I didn't register for a table, but there were a bunch of extra ones. And at one point I was carrying around so much. So I grabbed a table, threw the stuff down and, and claimed it as my own. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Did you get any off time down there? Or was it like a mini vacation? And what were some of the highlights of that, if you had any time? Yeah, I guess you could kind of call it a little bit of a working vacation. But definitely, once a big chunk of the day was done, in the evening, there wasn't as much going on in terms of the actual Super Bowl kind of media requirement part. So one of the highlights I was able to go out and see, as a lot of people may have seen online or on social, The Sphere, which is a pretty new addition to the Vegas Strip. It's a, basically one of the largest or the largest spherical screens in the world. It was really neat to see because you could see it flying into Vegas and just projecting all sorts of graphics. And they were all sort of Super Bowl and football related graphics. But then I actually went inside to watch one of the movies that they have uh, nightly. And it's basically a 180 degree IMAX theater. So it's surreal. It's kind of like a Disney ride for adults might be the best way to describe it. There's interactive robots. There's all sorts of things. You watch this movie and your seat vibrates, you get wind, you get smells. So it's a, it's kind of an immersive experience. That was a really neat thing to be a part of. What was the stadium venue like? Was it different than the setup for quote-unquote, regular NFL games? It was a little bit because I've actually never been in a domed football stadium before. That was a bit of an interesting experience, just the way that the sound kind of stays within the stadium. And I know it wasn't quite as loud as, uh, say, some of the Seahawks games I've been to, but, you know, that makes sense with half the crowd cheering for one team and half the crowd for the other. But that was what really caught me off guard was the sound. And even the sound from the audio system within the stadium was really neat. I was extremely impressed. There were 67,000 people there and it was a very well-oiled machine in terms of crowd control and things like that. And the press box where I was sitting was in about the 400 section. So it was quite high up. But even then, just the way that the seats were configured, 
despite being extremely high up in the sky, it was a pretty good seat. So I was really impressed by that. Nice. And I personally think that football is better on TV as opposed to live action while hockey is the other way around. Yeah. Um, especially if you're up high in the press box, you, you see this massive humanity yes. move three yards in one direction, then everybody cheers and, and things like that. How did you find it? I agree. It was absolutely a different experience than watching it on TV. And when you're on TV and I was watching one of the cameramen actually film part of it for the live broadcast and they have so many cameras set up that they have the luxury, at least from what I could tell, was that one camera was on one of the main players for both teams at all time. And that's just their one job. So from watching it on TV, when you have all those cuts, say it's Christian McCaffrey goes for a 10 yard run and then they do a close up on McCaffrey. It's that one camera operator who spends the entire game on that one player. So your perspective from TV is heightened and completely different. And you're right. You know, some of the injuries that took place during the game, I could see the player go down, but I had absolutely no idea what the injury was. It was really hard to tell whether it was a leg or an upper body injury, just because you can't really tell. So for those moments, I was actually watching the indoor screen and to see them have a bit of a close up so I could actually see what was going on in the game. So it's a really different perspective to take in a game. If I was maybe on the 50 yard line, it would have been completely different, but watching it from there and then going home and rewatching the broadcast, it gives you a different appreciation of those seats. Yeah. I think I should probably qualify. What I said is if you happen to be on the field yes. for the game, then it's amazing and fantastic. And you get a sense of just how big these human beings are. That's right. When you're that close. Otherwise, you know, I enjoy it on, on the TV. And the one thing that I've found in recent years ish, as opposed to when I first started going to games is you do as a fan, you sit there and you find yourself staring at the giant TV. Mm -hmm. A lot of the times, especially once the play is over, you immediately go to the giant TV to watch what happens. And yeah. I, I find that kind of fascinating. Now, one of the more important questions that we've asked is what type of food spread did they have for the media? That was really interesting. So when I first got there, I got there about three hours before the game just to take it all in. And I went down to the media center first. That was kind of on the concourse level. And they had a lunch spread going on. And I had heard a lot about the food that media gets. That's definitely one of the perks for sure. So when we first got there, the whole media center was sponsored by Pepsi, of course. So there was every Pepsi product you could imagine. And then there were these sort of lunch boxes that you could get with like wraps and chips and cookies and things like that. And then during the game, I went on the upstairs on the concourse level and they had a specific area just for media food. And they actually just gave us hamburgers and hot dogs and <laughs> chips, all of the Dorito chips that you can get. So that was kind of funny. The weird, funny sort of story about that is initially I couldn't find the food area for media. When I first got there, not that that was a huge priority, but I was actually really yeah. thirsty and I wanted to grab something before the game started. And I thought, okay, I just need a water. Can't find this media center. I'm just going to go grab a water from one of the vendors. And I went and it's an entirely cashless stadium. So everything is a credit card and just grabbed a water. Didn't look at the price, just went upstairs and I was like, great, got my water settled into my seat. I'm all good. 
when I came back home on Monday, I actually had a chance to look at my credit card statement with the conversion into Canadian funds. That 500 milliliter bottle of water cost me $11. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh, so after that, Great. I quickly, quickly found the media center and grabbed all the Pepsi that I could. <laughs> yeah. I remember once paying $12 for a coffee crisp yep. in, in a hotel. Yeah. That's kind of similar. Yeah. Now, what about your thoughts on the game itself? You know, it was honestly, I hate to say it, but it wasn't that great of a game until the latter half, the latter maybe five minutes of the fourth quarter and then into overtime. Up to that point, like I was looking on social and a lot of it was the highlight was a halftime show. So it was a very much a defensive battle. It was kind of slow going and didn't really get going uh, right until the end. Why did San Francisco take the ball in OT? <laughs> that is the million dollar question, isn't it? From what I could see, and especially watching some videos now and some audio of the players on the sideline, it sort of sounded like they actually did not know the overtime rules in Super Bowl games, which is shocking to me. And it was really interesting because there was a bit of a timeout between the fourth quarter and overtime. And inside the stadium on the giant screens, they actually put up the overtime rules for Super Bowl, which is very much different than, as many people know, overtime in the regular season NFL, where it's the first team to score essentially wins the game. But it's not like that for Super Bowl. And the rules were up for probably a good minute, minute or two. And so... I could hear people even in the press box going, oh, these are different rules. Remember, they're different rules for overtime. And I'm thinking, if we know, how do the players not know? So that is a million dollar question. What was it like watching it from home and seeing the decision that San Francisco was going to take the ball first? Well, I wondered why they were doing it based mm -hmm. on the rules. And I, I texted my buddy and he was like, what do you mean? And he didn't know that the rules were different so i sent him the rules and then he immediately went back why are they taking the ball <laughs> so they did afterwards they and especially a couple of days later then they came out with their own explanation as oh mm -hmm. yes we had gone over it whereas it was funny with the chiefs it was like oh no andy reed spent this much time on it and we practiced it like the first day of training camp and and over and over and over again it showed that it, it's hard to say because they do say now that they had talked about it and stuff but it it almost feels just kind of like trying to brush it off and, yes. and, the, and they weren't prepared and if you're not prepared in the biggest game of your life you that's know right. that, i i would have some questions as a fan that's for sure absolutely and i think too you know inevitably at the end of the day your goal, whether you have the ball first or second, is to get that touchdown. And if you're not able to do that, you know, that's the bigger part of the story, I think. Yeah. From where you were sitting, could you hear Tony Romo yelling? I couldn't. And I had no idea about any of it until I watched, I got onto social and kind of watched the clips later. But how was it for you when you saw that? Well, I mean, I, I really have a hard time criticizing other media members. I mean, some people mm -hmm. like to pile on and stuff, but just l watching it as a fan, and you know it's overtime at the Super yes. Bowl. It's one of those moments. And, you know, Jim Nance makes the call, mm -hmm. and the next thing you hear is just this endless nattering. I'm like, quiet. Yes. <laughs> at the moment take care of itself you know i, I mean it, it's not necessarily criticism because i mean he, he was explaining it very nicely but it's yeah. like 
sometimes it just has to be more organic. You just have to, have to let the moment breathe. So, and, and he took a lot of heat for that. He did. So yeah. That was yeah. interesting. Yeah. Now, after the game, were you, were you in quite a rush to get home? Not at all. No. After the game, I stood and watched the Lombardi trophy presentation for a little bit and kind of watched the whole hype around Taylor coming down onto the field that was interesting just to see that and all the security around her and then from that point I did hurry down to the media center because I knew that that's where the post-game interviews were taking place and I wanted to grab a seat uh, a good seat where all the media was going to be gathering afterwards so ran down there waited for not that long I would say no more than 20 minutes but it was incredible to see I honestly say I don't know if I've ever seen quite that many broadcast televisions on a podium in such a small area. They were squished in and these camera operators were just sort of in between one person was standing kind of squished under a tripod just to get a spot. And that was was kind of interesting to see. And then to have two areas of the media tent, one side for the 49ers and then one side for Kansas City. And it was a bit overwhelming, to be completely honest, because it was only Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes who were on the main stage. And then players would come out and there were actually eight podiums per side. And there were multiple players talking at once. So you really had to pick and choose who you wanted to talk to because the one player might be gone while you're interviewing somebody else. So I didn't realize how much of a plan you needed going into it. So I was sort of bouncing between podiums and players and just kind of seeing who was coming up next. So it was well-organized, but that part was a bit overwhelming. How many people were in Taylor Swift's security detail? From what I could see, and I'm sure there were probably so many more, I saw her as she walked down onto the field, and there were probably about, I would say, 10 people just surrounding her, physically surrounding her in front, behind, and, and on each side of her. And then there were police and other security in addition to what I assumed are her own actual security guards. Other highlights, lowlights of the trip? I would say highlights were probably Radio Row being in there and the post-game interview area because I don't think I've ever been in a situation quite like that before and I've been in media scrums, I've been in other opportunities where I've interviewed people in kind of a similar environment but this was a media scrum to the infinity it was extremely intense and because it was in a tent and it was all self-contained and there was just thin sort of plastic barriers separating the 49ers and the chiefs you could really see and hear the emotions from both sides so Christian McCaffrey came on and I've never seen somebody so depressed, just super quiet, introverted, almost in tears. And then about 10 feet away is some of the Kansas City players coming in, just screaming at the top of their lungs and having a great old time. So that was really an interesting environment, definitely a highlight for me. The only low light I would say is probably some of the crowds and I had an idea of and sort of managed my expectations of what they would be, but there were some instances, even coming back from the media center or the Super Bowl experience, which is kind of an interactive display, where there were so many people stuck in hotel 
always that it got a little bit overwhelming. And there were times definitely where there's some crowd control needed, especially when you get 49ers fans and Kansas City fans together yelling at each other. So there were a few moments where I'm going, this is kind of how riots start, isn't it? But other than that, everything else went really well. Are you planning on going to next year's game? I would love to. So next year's game is in New Orleans, which I think yeah. is going to be a really great city to host. Vegas was an amazing city because all of the infrastructures there, they have the capacity to host millions of people, hotel rooms, restaurants, all of that. I think New Orleans certainly could. I know they have in the past. So I think just that city there would be extremely exciting to be at. And so now what do we do without football? That's a fine question. I don't know. <laughs> I, I uh, Is it too soon to start looking at draft picks? I'm not sure. I don't know what to do with myself. How about you? Never. Oh, well, I've been looking at the draft mm-hmm. since, well, even before the minute that uh, my Miami Dolphins were eliminated. So I don't think it'll bother me until this Sunday. Yes. When I, when I flip on the TV or, or look at my computer screen and, and there's nothing. Yeah. And, that's when it'll be tough. It's such an event each week, you know, Sunday, you know, you look forward to Sunday and things like that. So yeah, it's definitely going to be tough. I agree. I don't know what to do with myself. I have all this free time now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll figure something to talk That's about. right. <laughs> all right. Well, Aaron, that was just awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that experience and we'll talk again soon. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. NFL report with Philip Wolf and Aaron Halischuk is a Black Press Media podcast.